Hello, hello. This is Reality of Reality. I'm Aliza Rosen, a longtime TV producer and development executive. Every week on the podcast, I talk to interesting people in all aspects of unscripted content. So before I get into introducing my guest, I want to recommend a few things that I watched this week. I actually forgot to do this last week, so I will just say that we did finish The Last Dance, I guess, a week ago. It was so good. You got to see it. When it comes out on Netflix, you can binge all 10 episodes. It's on ESPN now about Michael Jordan and the season of 97-98 with the Chicago Bulls. Just so great. Great, great, great. Um, I watched Circus of Books, finally, which is a Netflix documentary executive produced by Ryan Murphy about a gay porn store in West Hollywood and the story around that owned by this uh, older Jewish couple and also involves their gay son. It, it was good. I didn't love it. I had some issues with it, but I still think it's worth seeing. I am hate watching Selling Sunset on Netflix. God, it's so horrible. And yet I can't turn away. It's a great train wreck. Um, I mean, it's, the people are just insufferable. And yet I will finish the whole season. Trust me. I'm also hate watching Billions, a show that I do love to hate because I'm recommending that you see that you listen to the Behind the Billions podcast if you listen if you watch Billions. I love a behind the scenes peek behind the curtain and I'm actually enjoying the podcast more than I am the episodes. So I'm not sure what that says, but I recommend. So today on the podcast, it's Jen O'Connell. Jen is executive vice president of nonfiction and kids and family programming at HBO Max. I'm sure you've been hearing a lot about HBO Max as they just launched. The first time Jen was on the podcast in back in 2016, we went in depth on her career, but today it is all about the launch. They've got an amazing slate of unscripted shows, including underground ballroom competition show Legendary, the new Amy Schumer doc series Expecting Amy, and Bethany Frankel's new Buzzed About show, which I cannot wait for. We talk about all the new series and what it's like to launch a new platform in a pandemic. Okay, so I'm here with Jen O'Connell for our second episode of all time. Hi, Jen. Hi. This is that so was exciting. really high, and I do not have a good voice, so I apologize. You have a great voice. Your first podcast was so good. It was one of my first. It was in like the first six months of me doing the podcast, and I get so many compliments and comments on it still to this day. Oh my God, that's so nice. I remember doing that with you, and you had like, recently moved to LA and you were producing in New York, but you were, you came out here to produce and you launched this podcast. And I was telling our PR team that I remember that interview. And I'm just so proud of how many great ones you've done and how far you've come and that you're still doing it and doing so such a nice job. So congrats Aww, to you. That's so sweet. Well, you paved the way too. You have definitely hooked me up with many a guest over the years. <laughs> so Hopefully I they didn't disappoint. It. No, you're, well, you're it's, been, it's been a good run, a good, good. run. Good. So I'm so happy you're doing this since you and I met, I guess almost five years ago, you've had, um, a great run. I mean, you were at Lionsgate when we met and then mm -hmm. has it been a year since you went over to HBO max? Yeah, it's been a little over a year. I joined at the end of April and you've just been coasting the whole time, you know, not really just working hard out. at all. Yeah, <laughs> just just out, getting out. your nails done. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. That's late, Jen. Oh my God. I'm amazed that you even texted me back or spoken to me in the last year. Oh my God. Well, it's been fun. I mean, there's wow. something daunting, but also so exciting about starting from scratch. 
So exciting. So before we dig into the slate, which I'm super excited about, tell me what it was like. I mean, you've been on the network, you were on the network side for a long time, and then Mm -hmm. you went to the seller side with Lionsgate, Mm -hmm. which is kind of a hybrid because it's a studio, but going back to the buyer side, and then of course, starting this whole new entity, what was that like? What was that transition like for you? It was so fun because I, the last buying job I had was NBC. That was a long time ago. Back in Biggest Loser days. Biggest Loser days. And um, I, and I remember, I remember what that was like, but now to come back into it with so much time on the producing side and studio side under my belt, it's been interesting. I mean, I think that it's good for the producers and it's bad for the producers. <laughs> <laughs> but you are a producer at heart. I mean, you can't I am, take it out I of you. I am. I am. And, um, but I, it's, but it's been so fun. It's been a lot of fun. And I hope that having spent all that time on the other side has helped me do what I do now. It's funny because the first half of my career was on the buying side. And I think that it's easy to get into that um, rhythm and that like, there's this weird habit. It's not weird. It just happens. Like it's all about passing. It feels like you're pass you're, you're passing on so much stuff, but when you're selling and developing, it's all about, and I'll steal this Bethany phrase. It's all about, yes. Yeah. It's all about like saying yes. And and instead of saying always like, mm, no, that thing, that isn't quite right. It's like, yes, but if we did that, it could be great. Or, you know, so mm-hmm. I think it shifted my brain a little bit because I had been programmed to pass on so much stuff and there's volume. So you are going to do that. But when you are when you have to be more creative and you have to go out and sell shows to make a living, you have to see, you have to see something three steps ahead and not just what's put right in front of you. And so I think that that has been helpful to me. For sure. So when you're building a slate from scratch and you're essentially building a new brand, which is what you're doing, did you have an edict from, you know, Kevin Riley or Sarah in terms of here's how we want it to feel and look, or was it like, we trust your instincts, just get great shows because it seems like such a, such a great swath of stuff. Yeah. A little of both. Um, you know, HBO max, part of HBO max, a big part of it is HBO. And so our mandate is to figure out, okay, what do they do? And then what can we do that complements? So we, don't want to do things that overlap with HBO. And then looking at their audience makeup, it was, okay, what don't they have? So they have some kids and family, but it's not a focus. So now we're, it's a big focus for us. They don't tend to skew younger. And while they're pretty balanced with men and women watching, I would say they lean a little bit more male than female. So for us, really leaning into female and younger skewing um, content was key. And, um, and that was helpful. And also they don't really do reality TV. They do amazing documentaries. um, But when it comes to 
lifestyle stuff and competition shows. That's not what they do. So looking for things that we could really, you know, go big with. And, um, and so that was, that felt like something that we were all on the same page on from the beginning that Sarah and Kevin made very clear, you know, we, we want to, you know, we want to create our own identity, um, and be broad, but, um, but they've really been quite, I would say generous with letting me run with the projects I think are great that will, you know, that will hit. And what they've said to me is, you know, it's okay to be weird and experimental. And I do think that we win if we're a little slightly off center and that's, you know, that's my personal taste too. So that helps, but I can't, I'm not programming for myself. Um, but I think that, you know, going creative and trying to, um, I hate to use the cliche, but step outside the box a little bit, um, is part of who we are, I think across the board with programming, but especially with what we're doing. I also noticed that you have built this powerhouse team for you at HBO Max with a band of women, uh, some of whom I know, some of whom I've heard great things about. Was that a conscious decision on your part to have it be reflective also behind the camera? Um, It wasn't, I didn't set out. I mean, it's funny looking at my entire nonfiction team, it's all women except on the production side. There's a couple guys on the production side um, and we, and we totally want to hire men to be part of our, <laughs> our, um, our club, but, um, but it, it was a coincidence. I mean, I really hired the people that I thought were the absolute best and top of their game. And, um, and I'm sure we will be, and we will, we will be adding men to our group. Um, but it's, it was just a weird coincidence and I'm really lucky to have them. I think they're, they're terrific. And then on the kids and family side, we, I think, you know, we have a great group over there too. Um, Nikki Reed and Allegra Newman who are doing scripted and then Billy Wee and Aaron Davidson who, see, I work with guys. Um, they <laughs> do animation. They do, they do animation from kids all the way through adults. So I get to work with them on kids and then my colleague gets to work with them um, on adults. But so that's the perfect yeah. transition into talking about some of the shows that we're going to see once it launches. And so when I drop this, it'll be two days after launch. So people will already ah, be able to see they will some be of the judging shows. it. They will be judging it. So let's talk about, you, you mentioned the kids and family side. So let's talk about Craftopia to start. Tell me about the show and what attracted you to the idea. Okay. Well, um, it really is a homegrown idea. My daughter... I noticed was obsessed with crafts and, um, and especially Laura DIY, uh, who ended up being our host. So I was talking to B17, a company I've worked with many times before and adore and think they're super creative and great. And they came together, they, they put a, a really fabulous idea together in the crafting world. And we kind of created this over the top Willy Wonka-esque like craft store that kids could go and shop around for their, their pieces, their bits that they're going to use, um, all their supplies to make these, you know, over the top creations. Um, and it's funny when I asked my daughter who we should find to host, she was like, well, 
Lord DIY. There's, I'm like, well, who else? Like, what if I don't get her? And she's like, well, that's, you got to get her. There's no, <laughs> there's no one like her. So, um, so we, we approached her and, and, um, she came on board as a host and an EP and really was influential in, in the show. Um, not just, you know, she, she's not just a really pretty face, um, who's great at crafting. She, you know, think about it. If you're on YouTube and you have your own channel, you're producing too. So she came in and really contributed quite a bit. I can predict this will be a show that will catch on in a way that I think is harder than a Project Runway for kids, only because it's more accessible. Like I remember when I watched Project Runway Junior with my daughter, we had to go to Joanne's and buy some fabric and I don't even know how to sew a button. So it was kind of wasted, but this is so accessible. I can already predict watching with my daughter and we'll have to be at Michael's or Amazon for right now and be buying Mm -hmm. every single thing because she's going to be completely inspired. I mean, is that your prediction as well? Well, God, knock on wood that hopefully, I hope you're right. I mean, I'm crossing my fingers. I think, I think it has the potential to do that. Um, I, and I really hope it does. And I think that, you know, when we cast the show, we were really, we wanted to make sure that we weren't casting kids because they were cute on camera. I mean, obviously that helps, but all kids are cute. So it kind of doesn't matter. And we really, but we really went for talent. We wanted to impress people with what they could do. And there's this one kid who he cracks me up. He is like a master crocheter <laughs> and he crochets faster than, and, and we actually had to say in the show, this is real time. This is not fast forwarded because he was moving his little fingers so fast. Wow. But it's fun. I hope you're right. I thank you for saying that. I appreciate it. Yeah. Well, to take a completely different, well, not that different, but on the adult side, um, Mm -hmm. one of the shows that's going to come out at launch legendary. I remember talking to David Collins about that show, probably maybe even two or three years ago when they were developing it and about to take it out. So I know there were a lot of iterations and I'm really glad that it ended up with you guys. So tell me about how that show came to you and talk a little bit about the show itself. Well, oh my God, I love this show. It's funny because even though it's it's adult, it's um, the connection between Legendary and Craftopia is that there is just so much creativity there. Mm-hmm. Um, it, you know, Scout, I know that they were in development somewhere else and that did not work out. And right, so, now I remember. Okay. And so um, after that ended, they brought it to us and we instantly fell in love with it. Is there a host? We are so thrilled that we have Deshaun Wesley, who's our MC. And then um, judging, we have Leomi Maldonado. Both Deshaun are, and Leomi are huge, like li- legends in their own right in the underground ballroom world. Um, and then we have Megan the Stallion, who you know, for the first time in my house made me cool to say, guess who I'm working with right now? Like my teenagers couldn't believe it. (laughs) Um, and then Law Roach, who is our, um, fashion icon himself and really is not shy to tell us what he thinks, good or bad with whatever he sees. And then Jamila Jamil, who is an amazing advocate and, um, and just so fun and excited about being in this world. So, and then we have DJ Mike, who's also part of the ballroom world. 
and the music is over the top, amazing, fun. Um, I think our theme song is going to get attention because it's so catchy. Like it's just, it's, it's all good. So I'm so excited for the world to see it. I just, I hope they love it as much as I do. I, I think it's great. And the reviews so far have been, have been really, really positive. And just to set it up so people know, this is a ballroom, underground ballroom. Comp- uh, I don't know if it's called ballroom. Yes. Yeah, it's, it's called houses. Ballroom. Yeah, with different houses. So it's the under underground ballroom community. Um, you is it compete. the real life pose? I never seen yeah. pose, but is that what pose yes. is based on? Okay, yes. but it's a competition. But it's a competition, and and houses usually have more than five members per house in real life. But we had to limit it. Obviously, there's a lot of people involved. So, um, so it's five people in each house. There's a house parent, a house mother, or house father. And they're like the boss and they're the ones, they are the glue that keeps that house together. And, and they, you know, make the big decisions and are, but are also there to be a shoulder to cry on. And it's a real family. It's a chosen family. Um, and so they compete every week with uh, really imaginative um, <laughs> challenges where it's all about choreography, attitude, and costume. And so those three things really are, you know, are what it takes. And also as Megan likes to say, she's there to have a good time. So, right. um, so it has to have that spirit. So I want to talk about some of the documentaries that you guys have coming up. As you know, I'm obsessed with docs and there's a few that mm-hmm. I'm really excited about. I know they're not all going to be part of the launch, but one that is that I may have even texted you about because I was so happy that you picked it up is on the record. And there's some history there. It's very controversial. So talk a little bit about on the record. Sure. So we, um, we were at Sundance this past year um, and Lizzie Fox and I went, we were really curious because right before Sundance, you know, we knew, we knew that, you know, partners had dropped out and, um, a distribution platform dropped out. And so we went because we wanted to see what the fuss was about. And we didn't expect, we weren't going there thinking, oh, we're buying this stock. Like, you know, we went more because we, we, we just wanted to see what it was. And at the end, we looked at each other and we were like, wow, that was, that was incredible, an incredible personal story. Um, and can you just then, sum up what the story is? Sure. So Drew Dixon um, was a very successful and rising, still rising star in the music industry and had worked with huge names and, you know, very involved in hip hop um, and, you know, is faced with a very difficult situation where she was assaulted And, you know, and it's really about her journey as well as a bigger issue in the Me Too movement that hasn't really been addressed that much, which is what happens when women of color are assaulted and do people listen and why don't they speak out um, and or if they do, what happens? Yeah, Um, I think the R. Kelly doc did a very good job with that, too. Yeah. So it's so it's. so that really moved us. And then after the doc, we saw there was a panel discussion with not just Drew, but all of the, the other women that were in the doc 
who experienced similar situations, as well as journalists who were in the dock and experts who weighed in. And it was a a lively discussion, but with a standing ovation. And we were, you know, frankly moved to tears by the whole thing, left there. And we were like, how can we, we need this because we need their voices to be heard. Well, I'm really glad you guys picked it up. And I, I will definitely be watching that as soon as the launch happens. So let's talk about another doc I'm excited about, which is Expecting Amy with Amy Schumer. So the way I understand it from her interview with Howard Stern is that she was basically documenting her pregnancy and she self-shot or maybe her sister helped or her husband helped, but a lot of it was self-shot. Was it done when you it got to you guys or were you still editing and shaping it with her by the time you had seen it? So, um, love this one. This is, it's so fun. Um, we're so excited about it. Amy is amazing and so transparent. And so in this doc, like, you know, if you didn't love her before, you're going to love her. You're going to definitely love her now or love her even more. But, um, she self-shot the whole thing. She self-shot, she, (laughs) this doc and, um, And she had all of the raw footage and she shared with us some selects, but they certainly had not edited together full episodes yet. Okay. Oh, so it's a series. Oh, it's a four-parter? It's not a four-parter. It is a three-parter. It is trimesters. Oh, and that's how it's laid out? That's really cute. So that's how it's laid out. So um, the first part is, you know, she finds out she's pregnant. She is working on this. She finds out she's, you know, going to do this special for another streamer. And, um, <laughs> and, and, but she's on this tour. She's in the middle of a tour and she is working her ass off. Um, and, and it's great. And then she finds out she's pregnant and she's so excited. And I'm sure if you follow her on Instagram, you you were there for a lot of this stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's a lot that she shot that's not on Instagram. So don't worry, you're getting a lot of extras. Um, but she found out that she was that she was pregnant and then she was on tour and was so sick. And she just sucked it up and kept going. She was throwing up multiple times a day, not keeping anything down and, and thought this was normal. And thought this is what all women went through when they were pregnant and was like, oh, why doesn't anyone talk about this? Come to find out it's not normal. And, but she is such like a warrior that she sucked it up and kept on going. So there's, there's the first episode is all of that. The second episode is that, but also the relationship she has with her husband who is on the spectrum and is diagnosed while she's pregnant. And it expl- and it was like, I think, a beautiful discovery because I think that he finally understood like why maybe things were different for him. And I'm sure in a relationship, it was great for her too, to, to be like, oh, I get it now. Um, and we also see their wedding. I mean, there's just so much love and joy, but still sick, sick, sick. And then the third trimester episode is the birth, which was also challenging and, um, and moving on, you know, and being a mom. So we, um, so we're so excited and the, the way that she just bears it all to the world is pretty remarkable and funny at the same time. 
Yeah, I think that's a big part of her appeal. And I just want to say, as somebody who was deathly ill the first 14 weeks of my pregnancy, this will be highly relatable. So it is not normal, but it does happen to more women than you think. Yeah. And another one that I'm really looking forward to on a much more somber note is Bourdain. I absolutely Mm -hmm. worshipped Anthony Bourdain. My husband and I still talk about him all the time. It's like a hole in the universe with him Mm -hmm. not being here. So I'm so excited that you guys are are doing this. Is this something that 0.0, that was the production company that did his show, is this something that they have been putting together since he passed? So this is actually something that... um... I don't know how early they started putting it together, but obviously they have such a close connection with him and, um, and CNN and CNN is our partner on this. Um, they, they've been amazing. We're doing a lot of docs with them actually. Mm -hmm. Um, but we have Morgan Neville who's directing. I mean, so you can't get any better than, than Morgan he did the Mr. Rogers, um, doc, which, you know, made me cry the entire, from start to finish pure joy, um, and nostalgia, but also, you know, a very deep documentary, which I, I expect this will be too, but, and it's funny you say, um, you know, it's somber and yes, the ending is somber, but I think, and from what I understand from Lizzie Fox and Amy and who worked you know, on this, on his CNN show very closely. Um, and, and 0.0, he would really be annoyed if this was a somber doc. So, yeah. So it was, so while the story, the ending is somber, obviously Mm -hmm. there's definitely going to be humor and edge to it in the way that, that, that he He had. Yeah. Good. Well, we're going to end it on the show I'm probably most excited about, and I'm sure you don't remember, but you and I had breakfast whenever it was when Bethany was in town, Bethany Frankel, when she was shopping her show and you gave me, you know, the one line about it. And I looked at you and I said, Jen, you better buy that show. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God. We had breakfast that morning. That is so That was the morning she was in town and she was texting you even about Housewives because she had was just about to make the decision to drop out of this season. Yes. It was very dramatic. Oh my God. So by the time she came in for the pitch, because she she was like, I just quit Housewives. I just quit. (laughs) And I was like, oh my God. Like today. (laughs) Yeah. Like literally like an hour before walking (laughs) into your office. Um, Well, you know, Bethany really knows how to bring it. And she, while she is a, very accomplished, multimillionaire, um, you know, businesswoman who has made a lot of stuff at this point, a lot of products and sold a lot of books and done everything. Bethany's the queen bee. And, um, and despite all of her massive success, she's the same person. She hasn't changed. Not one And you've bit. known her since way back. So people should listen to my original interview with Jem, which I'll post in the show notes, but just give the quick backstory of how you and Bethany met. So when I was working on um, The Real Housewives of New York City, season one, we needed to cast one last person and it was Bethany. And, you know, at the time, a housewife, you know, had to be, obviously it was like, is she married? Does she have kids? 
(laughs) Is she successful? Does she run in these circles? Like she didn't check any of those boxes. (laughs) I mean, she ran in some of the fancy circles in New York, which is great. But, um, but other than that, she had a boyfriend who had a kid and they broke up. So (laughs) she really, and she was living in a teeny tiny little apartment and she had a business called Bethany Bakes and made muffins that no one liked. And, um, but (laughs) she, and not, yeah, we showed that. I think it was Costco or something where she was handing, she was somewhere where she was handing out samples and no one wanted (laughs) them, but, um, so cut you all these years later and she's in your office looking great. What was that pitch like? It was just funny. And it was like filled with sidebars. It was filled with like inside stories and, her being like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Jen gets that. She knows, she knows, you know, like (laughs) just let's get to the chase. She was her charming self, but like, you know, really just, you know, she, she is who she is. She says it like she sees it and, um, and that's it. So she really hasn't been changed by any of it. That's, and that's the part about her. I love. And I think that's why people will love watching this new show with her because, they'll get that Bethany and um, she's never trying to pretend to be someone else and trying to, you know, she's scrappy and she'll show up without makeup on and not care. And yeah, she doesn't try to be, you know, different. She was great on Shark Tank too. I mean, you're right. No matter what situation she's in, she's just authentic. So is the Mm -hmm. format similar to the apprentice? Is it people competing to work for her? Kind of. I mean, I guess in the sense that it's about, they're all really hoping to work for her. That is, that's the part of it that's similar, but it's really, it's, it's not, it's not like a, it's not a studio based show. There isn't a boardroom moment. It's, it's going to be a little bit more grounded in reality, I think. Mm -hmm. And she's going to come up with challenges that are part of her real life business Um, whereas with the apprentice back in the day, which was great. Um, a lot of the challenges were around, you know, sponsors who were coming in and, you know, make a commercial for, you know, whatever. Um, You don't need that. Yeah. Don't need that. And, um, and I think it'll be rooted more with her actual day-to-day stuff and, you know, it'll, they'll be all living together and they'll be working out of her real, you know, space, her real office, which is sometimes her own apartment. And you're going to see behind the scenes, you're you're not going to feel like it's a tradition. We're going to blend what is a docu and a formatted show. There will be people that are going to come and go. There's, there's, you know, people that will come into the show that, that are up for the job and they will not last more than one week, but there may be others that do last. There may be some that come back um, that she thinks, well, maybe I should have, you know, maybe I made a mistake there. Maybe I should give that person another chance. So it'll be a little bit more fluid and um, in, in Bethany's world, more authentic. I can't wait. So last question, you guys are launching in the middle of a global pandemic. What have been, the challenges or the advantages to doing this now? I mean, this is the weirdest time ever. I don't know what else, what other word to use. Um, obviously, it's a great time for content and people are watching more than ever. So have you had any unique challenges or is this like terrible for the world, but actually this is actually great that it's happening now. I mean, I hate to say it, but is that the reality? 
Yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't know if it's great. I would never say it's great. Like I, I, I don't, obviously we'd all be much happier and it would be better <laughs> if this <laughs> crazy pandemic wasn't here. Um, I think we're making do. I think that the silver lining personally for me is that gearing up for a launch, um, I probably would have been at the office around the clock and on set around the clock. And I'm spending, I'm working or I'm still working around the clock, but my, I'm with my family and that's yeah. really nice. And I, they're, they're kind of part of it. They're, they're sharing this moment with me more uh-huh. than they would have if I were in the office all 24 seven, which that's so true. I, I probably would have. So that part of it is good. And I'm also, you know, even though these, all of these, um, video conferences can be maddening. We're all seeing each other's homes and kids and pets and sweatpants. And, you know, there is a personal side to it. When it comes to the actual business side, you know, we are, thankfully, we had a lot of stuff that, you know, that was done that we're editing. And so we've had to adjust editing a little bit, you know, Mm -hmm. editing from home and, you know, moving our editors into safer spaces and all of that. Um, We are kind of embracing this challenge right now. And we just announced the Selena Gomez show, cooking show that we start shooting on Friday. And that's going to be her cooking at home during the pandemic. Yeah. It's her cooking at home during the pandemic. We'll get it on the air this summer. And, um, every week there'll be a new chef remotely showing her what to do. And, and what we also love about it is you know, her grandparents from Texas live with her. And oh, really? Yeah, they live with her so and they have for a while. And um, and so to see her in a real home setting with family around and, you know, um, you know, just seeing what life is like where it's not like, this is not going to be a glitzy celebrity laden show. And I hear she makes certain things really great, like casseroles, um, which is, you know, her Texas roots coming out. Um, But she genuinely really loves being in the kitchen and learning how to cook. And I don't think knows a ton about it. And so she's going to learn a lot and we're going to learn with her, but we're also going to be hanging out with her in her home, in her kitchen as she's doing it like we all are. Um, so that is, that's exciting because that show would have never been, I was just going to say that it's opened up these other creative outlets. And I think just in general, the celebrity of it all, that access of seeing sort of the right, you know, remember the old stars are just like us. Yeah. Kind of gives that new layer that I think has been really fun, even just on Instagram and other platforms to kind of get that peek behind the curtain. Yeah, absolutely. And I don't think she's overexposed either. I think that she isn't. Selena is one of those people that people want more of. And, um, and she is, despite her crazy level of star power, she is still a very relatable person and she's been vulnerable in the media. And I, you know, I just hope that especially the younger viewers will, you know, will get something out of that. Well, this is all very exciting. This is so great, Jen. Thank you again. It's so good to see you. And I appreciate you doing this. Thank you. I'm so glad. I can't believe it took us this long to do it again. I'm so glad that we, I feel like we've come full circle from when we started. You got a great slate and I'm really psyched for you. I'm proud of you. Thank you. 